Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Forward Thinking Podcast. It's Chrissy here from CS2. We have another fellow CS2 member today. Welcome back to the podcast, Xander Broffel, our director of MOPS. How's it going? Good, good. Thanks so much for having me. Excited for the talk. Yeah. Today we're going to talk about, I mean, probably a really popular topic. It's a rite of passage, I think, for a MOPS person as well, <laughs> uh, as long, uh, along with a merger and acquisition is what I call that one too, but yes. um, around switching um, maps or market automation platforms. And if you're thinking about doing it, what are all the things you need to think about? What are the right reasons for switching? Like, what are the wrong reasons too? Um, and then what are the steps you need to think about to go about that? So super excited. You've had a lot of those conversations recently, I think, Xander, so it's top of mind for you. Yeah, very top of mind for me. I have I have a few of these projects that have kind of started and stopped, and it's all good. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So first, why should you switch maps? And let's start with the right reasons, and then I kind of want to add in the wrong reasons. <laughs> yes, keep it a little bit positive, because, you know, it is important to know, like, there's a good reason to switch your marketing automation platform. I don't think that we need to just immediately yeah. say, don't do it. Right. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that you might want to consider if you're if you're thinking about making the move. Uh, perhaps your company's outgrown your marketing automation mm -hmm. platform. Right. Scale's super critical, uh, especially when you're in that hyper growth phase. Maybe you get some initial funding, you get a tool, maybe it has fewer features, but, you know, it's good enough for where you were at. And now you're growing and you've got more investment and you're doing more complex processes and you have more people on the team and you need a bigger tool to do that. Yeah, totally. I feel like that's kind of like the one that we see the most. Um especially for some early stage companies that are like starting to really want to bring their operations up to the same maturity that they're at now. Yeah. And if they're running a ton of campaigns, some market automation platforms are really great for that. Uh, some maybe a little bit harder. And so um, <laughs> it's a great time to kind of think about uh, switching over. So uh, yeah, big one, probably Absolutely. one of the top ones. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. And it, and it's a good reason to do it. Um, you know, the the overarching theme that I'm going to that I'm going to say for all of these reasons is you have to start with your business requirements. You have right. to understand why is it that we need to move? That needs to be clearly documented and agreed upon with with your teams that that, you know, are going to be using the tool. Um so, you know, company growth is definitely one of those key, key drivers, um, but always start with what is it that we're really trying to do? Because maybe that current pro, uh, the, the current solution might even work for you. Totally. Um, you know, one of those, one of the reasons why you might do this is, is almost more of a disruption. And that could be like a merger and acquisition, mm -hmm. right? Really a key, a key point when you have one to three to five companies that are all combining and and now you're doing a complete reassessment of all technology. Uh, maybe you're moving your current organization into a new organization's mm -hmm. uh, 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 setup, or maybe you're saying, let's just start over new and we're going to, you know, get a best in class tool and then bring all processes together. Uh, that could be another, you know, key reason to switch your, switch your platform. Yeah. And it might not even be switching like tool. It might be like switching from platform, same platform, same different platform. instance. Yes. 
Um, but still uh, kind of thinking about the same things and same considerations and almost similar amount of work um, when it comes to migration. But um, I think that's a great case for it too, because I think understanding um, like what, what I think in this case too, it's like a conversation. Like sometimes people think, oh, well, if the company got acquired by a, like a larger company or whichever the acquiring company is, oh, we'll just adopt their systems. And it's not always like that. We actually see that it's not always the case. Sometimes their, you know, market automation platform setup might even be less advanced than the, you know, the company they're acquiring and maybe they want to adopt their best practices. So, um, it, it becomes more of a broader conversation around like what makes the most sense, what's going to be best for both businesses or multiple businesses if there's yeah. a big merger. And um, it's not always so straightforward as you think, at least from what we see. So. Yeah, I mean, especially when you're going through going through this, you have to you have to start with your business process and you have to figure right. out like are these are are the business processes aligned well enough between the teams? Are there enough differences where, you know, kind of almost getting into a reason to not merge your yeah. instances is if you have completely different selling cycles and selling mm. motions um, and data, like at the end of the day, maybe it's going to actually be cheaper to manage two instances and mm -hmm. have separate teams managing those. Um, it's all going to come down to the specifics of your business. Totally. All right. Any other reasons why? Um, yeah, the other one that I wanted to call out um, is changing in your business strategy. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm working, you know, I'm working with somebody right now who they have a very strong PLG motion that they're going to be moving to in the next mm -hmm. few years, mm -hmm. and they need a tool that's going to help support that. Um, so you might be doing something similar. Maybe you're going from a straight up demand gen and you're just going to do nothing but ABM. Mm -hmm. And maybe now your requirements uh, for a marketing automation platform change. Um, maybe, again, maybe you're moving to PLG and you need something that's going to integrate directly with a product or do something like that. And that's where you might start to explore alternatives. Um, mm -hmm. And then, you know, at the same time, like there's new vendors that are always coming out. So maybe there's a vendor that's that's specifically solving a use case better than your current solution can solve. Um, and so you kind of get new ideas and new capabilities that just introduce themselves into the market that might work better for how you go to market. Totally. Yeah. I think that, that also, like, I think about, especially with PLG, I think this is one that's coming up a lot more, more recently of like maybe where some other platforms are maybe not meeting that business um, use case and the strategy and they need like high volume or they need certain levers that they uh, can pull to uh, really have like more transactional emails and things like that. Sometimes that means like multiple platforms at one time, mm -hmm. uh, which is tricky, but also it could make the case for like a full switch. So um, we're, I think we're, we're definitely seeing that more and more. Um, and again, it all comes back down to like, what's going to be the best, you know, fit for your business strategy. And, um, that's why I love that you said requiring, like documenting all the requirements. I think also thinking about like sh your current requirements, but also long-term too, 
Like yeah. that's a long-term look for your client where they're like, oh, okay, in a few years, we're going to be doing PLG. But I think for a lot of companies, they're really thinking about in the moment, like what are my requirements right now? But always think down the line, like five years, you know, at least 10 years, like just look at the next five years and like, what are the true requirements there? Because your marketing team might scale out and like that really plays different um, impacts and and really, like, you want to hold on to this platform for a while. It's not something you just want to, like, yeah. switch um, every few years. That's too impactful on the business. So really having that long-term requirement look as much as you can, right? Obviously, things change, but um, I think that's super important. thousand percent. All right. So, well, speaking of requirements, what are some of the requirements that uh, – you folks maybe are considering when switching maps or should consider when they are? Yeah. Uh, one of the first things that I would probably say is look at your existing tech stack that you're going to integrate into yeah. uh, and make sure that, you know, that's the beauty of having a marketing automation platform is that you have something that can be central and mm -hmm. can can really orchestrate a lot of your business. So you want to make sure that you are getting something that integrates well with the other tools that you have in place. Um, I think CRM is obviously the big obvious one. Yeah. Um, but nowadays, when you also have tools um, where it's like actual data orchestration, um, customer data platforms, chatbots, event tools, all of those things. You want to make sure that, you know, you're not just thinking about what do I do for email and, you know, targeting some digital ads, but what's the full spectrum that you're working with? And is there a tool that's going to integrate better than others? Totally. Yeah. I think, I think this is a big one because I think we see that it seems like an obvious one, but I think it still is something that kind of gets missed. And then, um, it becomes this moment of like, oh, now we have like disparate systems and like, how do we build it? How, you know, how do we make sure those talk to each other well? And yes, there's tools for that. And you might even want to have a, a tool where you can have a more centralized kind of management of your data flowing through your systems. But the uh, there's a lot of headaches that come with doing that or mm -hmm. that's a lot of work. And so for companies, I think uh, at a minimum, like, how the integration with the CRM, but also just the other uh, tools in your stack, I think is really important. And then vice versa, right? If you're looking for a tool for your platform, we're not talking about this right now, but I think a lot of people, um, a demand gen person might go out and find a tool. And so marketing ops like definitely needs to also set requirements, I think on, on that end, like what tools mm -hmm. are actually going to um, integrate well with uh, your map. And so if you're already planning to move in six months or a year, um, that might also need to be taken into consideration now, even if it's not happening for the other tools that you're trying to integrate, because you're going to have to reintegrate them. Exactly. <laughs> and so. when you're, and when you're doing that reintegration, you are, you are introducing risk into your business every single totally. time. Right. So it's it's better to think these things through ahead of time and take time on the front end when it is requirements gathering. And really, like, I love my sales teams, but like really work on getting the right answers. And, you know, it's often like, yeah, we integrate with everything, really get the details and talk to the right people within the organization to make sure that it's really integrating with your tech stack and, and working with your overall architecture. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. All right, what are a few of the other ones that maybe aren't so obvious? 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, something that, that you might want to start to think about is how, what's your volume of email? Right. Marketing mm -hmm. automation platforms are sending out emails. You want to make sure that you're get, that you are uh, getting a tool that's going to be able to support the amount of volume that you have. Are you B2B? Are you B2C? Uh, are you doing a lot mm -hmm. of uh, a lot of frequent volume? Are you doing PLG where you're going to have transactional emails going out from the product? Um, all of these things are really critical. And, uh, you know, that can also include understanding, like, do I need a dedicated IP for mm. just my emails to be sent? Or is it going to be sufficient for me to share an IP uh, with, you know, other clients that are using the tool? And that all comes down to volume. So taking a look at historical, and then once again, thinking about the future. Totally. Yeah, I think that that's a big one. And it's not even just a requirement for your map, but more just like making sure that that's part of your requirements in general for for launching the market automation platform is thinking about like having a dedicated IP or shared and uh, what your send volume in and matching. It doesn't always mean a dedicated IP is actually best for everyone, um, but like making sure that that's part of your process because that impacts your your contract and yeah. just in general. So um, having all those requirements outside of like what's required of the map, but also within it, within that map, what are your like extra business requirements I think is, is super useful. Absolutely. Just speaking of, of like email, just also think about your other channels that you have. Um, you know, I think oftentimes when we think of a marketing automation platform, we just go immediately to email. Yeah. Um, but there's SMS, there's integrations into social channels, there's integrations into digital advertising. Um, there's all sorts of, uh, things that a marketing automation platform can help to support. So really look at where is my investment going from a digital perspective and find ways. Is there ways that my marketing automation platform can make us more efficient and effective in those channels? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One, I think a few of the requirements that we've talked about, like, are, are around like people, which makes sense. Like a lot of what we do is around like people and process and technology, but how, sh what are some of the requirements that we should keep in mind when it comes to like the people side, like who's going to be using the tool or what teams like end users are going to be the people impacted? Like, what are some of those requirements you should think about? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it, it's a little bit tricky um, because it's a fine line when you start to think about like expertise in a system. Yeah. Right? You don't want to just move mar marketing automation platforms because you have somebody who is more comfortable in a different platform mm -hmm. because it's probably going to be a lot cheaper to introduce training and enablement and working with that vendor to get the team leveled up as opposed to migrating to a system if it's just an expertise conversation. Mm -hmm. However, it's important to know who's going to be in that system and, and you know what type of training is available to them. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things that we talk about a lot with like campaign execution is do you have a centralized team where mm -hmm. everything goes through your marketing automation team? Or do you have a decentralized team where you have power users who are enabled with specific things that they can do in the system? Mm -hmm. um, some platforms make it a lot easier to scale uh, a decentralized model. You can create mm -hmm. templates. It can yeah. be as easy as cloning and, and updating some things. Um, whereas other tools, you know, it's, it's a very straightforward, easy process for people to build from scratch. Mm -hmm. Um, so you kind of have to, you really have to understand what is that, that centralized versus decentralized model that you're going toward. 
Totally. Yeah. I think that, that that's a big one as far as like scale, what you talked about that at the beginning, because in some ways as you're bringing new people in, especially when you're trying to run campaigns, being able to, you know, have templates, clone things more easily and things like that can, can really help scale and just build like a process around it where yeah. when you leave it up to uh, just creating some like a workflow or a campaign from scratch, um, you might end up with, yes, you, you can document that and what is your current process, but it might just be a little bit harder as far as like time and you're more subject to people doing it their own way, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and, and so that plays a risk when, um, if you did want to go with a decentralized team, because most mobs teams can't really support a centralized model all the time if they still want to be strategic. Otherwise, they're just running campaigns all day. Exactly. Um, and so, I mean, if you do want to learn more about decentralized versus not, go back and listen to our last podcast um, uh, two, two ones ago, but um, a few now, actually. But um, I think... <laughs> I think it's out there. It's out there. <laughs> Go to it. <laughs> but I, I think there's that plays a big role in just like what we talked about, like freeing up time. But it has its risks too, especially if you don't have a good scalable kind of process in place. Absolutely. Yeah. The expertise thing, I think, is is one thing that I wanted to touch on. And we'll talk about it, I think, also reason not to switch. But I think one thing that's a little bit hard to, or one thing to think about with like a, like a niche kind of product is if you're trying to find someone who's an expert in it, it's going to be really tough. Like yeah. it's already pretty tough to find, you know, quote unquote experts um, or people that feel really comfortable with using some of the like major platforms. Um, and so I think, and a let's face it, like a lot of folks have their preferences because of that. And so if, I think for folks who are thinking, uh, you know, a new product, if you haven't hired or if you're thinking about it, it's already going to be really hard to hire. That might, yeah. that might play a role. Like as, as much as it hurts to say that, because I think any good marketing ops person should be able to like pick up a technology and, and you know, get trained and try and figure it out because they all work in similar in a similar fashion. But I think for for some folks just going into a new role, they are preferential to, toward using a tool that they're already comfortable with. Yes. So yeah, yeah. And there's overhead there. I mean, if if you're if you are, it all depends, right? Like if you have a team that can help support that and can do an onboarding process where somebody can take the time, get certified, you know, mm -hmm. learn the, the internal process and, and be moving. Great. Yeah. If you are a team of one and you're trying to hire your first, your first hire, you might not have the time to do that long onboarding process. So having a system that a lot of people might be used to can at, can at least speed up and improve your hiring process. Totally. And then our map, finally, I think is, is like basically a place where we house all of our data, if you think yeah. about it. And then we do things against those people in the data and with it. But what are some data requirements that folks should think about when switching maps? 
Yeah, I mean, I think that is obviously starting first with what do I want to report on? What are the insights mm. that I want to be able to glean? Mm-hmm. Um, think about it from a quarterly perspective. What would you be, what, what QBR decks are you trying to support? What monthly mm-hmm. reviews are you trying to support? And what's your, you know, weekly and daily reporting that you're looking at? Um, by starting with the end in mind, you can really start to think about, you know, how do these tools work with attribution? Um, so that that's, that's like one key piece is attribution. Um, mm-hmm. and then there's another one, but I'm going to pause and see if you have any, any other thoughts on the attribution side. <laughs> I think that I, I, I think it should be a requirement, but, and I think when one add on to that is like, how, how much flexibility does your tool have with being able to get that data, assign that data, uh, to like to a record, um, and some, some tools are more flexible than others. Um, but so I, I think knowing that like there's other tools that can, like you said, glean those insights it doesn't have to be within your market automation platform that you're getting those yeah. insights, but you want to think about your maturity. Okay. At a minimum, what's our simple attribution model? How are we going to track like, you know, lead source, blah, blah, blah. But then from your campaign structure, you know, how easy is it going to be to, um, you know, get our, you know, set up our campaign structure. And then do we want to have just another tool that can help us with um, other insights that maybe isn't within our marketing automation platform? So, because I think one thing too, some people, some, some maps will also have like really pretty charts and data and things like that within it. Um, yep. And that's a little bit different, right? That's a little bit different of like, what's my reporting requirements? Because a lot of that is the data that then you could send to another system or a CRM. But yeah. if the data that in the reports and charts that you're looking within your marketing automation platform, they're probably only going to be seen or relevant to marketing. Yeah. So keep that in mind. Like that is great for a, a demo. It's great for a salesperson to show off. But like, are you realistically going to use it? Is it more right. how you're setting your own data structure and then getting this that data in place so that you can actually use it within maybe another system where people um, are already looking at the data like your CRM? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I hesitate to work with any vendor where like the data isn't something that can connect with the data warehouse. Yeah. Even if you don't have a data warehouse today, like think about that in five years, you probably, you like most organizations are moving that way totally. and getting all of their revenue revenue data out of their systems into a centralized place to to actually use it uh in an unsiloed fashion so if you're totally. working with a platform that's like nope the data's here we have no integration um that could be that could be a blocker for you to consider totally totally um and i think that is the the future i think as much as it seems a bit like a little bit distant for some uh, orgs now. I think as we get more and more data that we're working with and um, that that's where things are going. Like yeah. it, it just seems like it is. So I think no, keeping that in mind, like I said, like what's the five-year outlook requirements, like not just now, though that's one that might likely get missed, I think. Um, yep. Especially when it comes to like the maturity of the company because uh, you know, usually you may not embark in on, on, you know, selecting a data warehouse or even like a BI tool or something like that until you have more of like the people in place to manage it uh, or sure. the business need. Right. But that business need probably will come up like as you scale. 
Yes. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then the other, there? the other, the other piece of data is, is uh, segmentation and personalization. Mm -hmm. um, so just, you know, that's another powerful feature of a marketing automation platform. Um, some of them do it stronger than others. Yeah. Um, I know for, for me personally, I, I love when a marketing automation platform can normalize data. So that way I have, mm. you know, sort of a source of truth field that I know I can always use for segmentation. Mm -hmm. Um, and then you can start to send that information out to the other systems to do similar segmentation, uh, where, where it's needed. Totally. Totally. And I, I think like to, to end on like some of the, uh, like a final requirement is like, Think about like, well, how much flexibility you would want to, like, I think like, as far as like, what can you do? Like, what, like, are you stuck to like the confines of setting things up a certain way within the platform, which sometimes is okay. It's actually a good thing because it's more straightforward mm -hmm. for your team to figure out this is how things are going to be set up. But then there's other tools where it might seem overwhelming because you can do so much, but when it comes down to oh, demand gen has this use case where they want to do X, Y, Z, you can do that. Like as, yeah. as long as you're like, you figure it out and you're a bit crafty. So um, that's also why I think some operators, especially now as they see things become like more complex, requirements become more complex, especially as you build out multi-channel um, you know, campaigns, like you said, personalized experiences, things like that you, you are so a lot of times going to need that flexibility to engineer things that are be, you know, beyond maybe what's in the confines of like a simple, um, setup or workflow that maybe another platform has. So, um, yeah. and it, <laughs> yes, you could do that within maybe other platforms or you can set up automation with your CRM and stuff like that. But, um, when it comes to like actual like campaign setup and things like that, there are definitely tools that give you more flexibility. Yeah, definitely. One more requirement, cause it is a gotcha. Um, and, and I know that we wanted to throw in some of those. Um, oh, yeah. and, and this one's really key is, uh, taking a look at your database size. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, different, different companies charge differently. And yeah. so this, this can become a very uh, significant variable cost when you're evaluating vendors. So know how many people are in your database, how many people are in your database that you want to market to, because that's not yeah. always the same, right? If you've got like your product integrated with your CRM, and then you're going to mirror that data, which we generally are going to recommend uh, from our perspective, because there's just a lot of hidden costs when you're <laughs> trying to control two different databases, um, you know, if you're sending over millions of records, certain organize or you know certain companies might charge differently than others. So it's definitely something for your pre work to know um, what you're getting into. For sure. Okay. So I want to quickly go through some reasons not to switch, and then we'll go into kind of like the actual migration. But sure, I feel like people should like clearly be able to shut down. Like, what are some reasons why like you might think you need to switch, but really isn't the right reason. Sure. My map's such a mess. Let's just start over. Let's just get something <laughs> new. That's the first reason that comes to my mind. <laughs> yeah. Tech debt. Oh yeah. The answer for tech debt is just moving to a new tool. Uh, <laughs> not so much. 
Not so much. No, I mean, I mean, taking that time, fix and fix what you've got, um, you know, reassess business requirements, because oftentimes it's complicated business requirements that introduce mm -hmm. a lot of technical debt. Um, and if you just keep your complicated processes and move to a new marketing automation platform, then nothing's saying that it's going to be any less messy. <laughs> um, yeah. Do you want me to just kind of roll through some of my thoughts? Yeah, yeah. Keep yeah. Going. Um, if you don't have executive buy-in and support, because at the end of the day, this is a very significant mm. investment. Um, and so you need to make sure that you have buy-in from the top. Um, sometimes it can mean that you are stopping your marketing for a period of time. Uh, if you think about like, I have to warm an IP, which means I have to slowly send emails using that new platform. So that way I'm not caught in spam traps. Well, that could definitely impact if you have like a large event this month that you're going to have to be sending out a lot of emails into. So just making sure that you have the right buy-in, the right alignment across the organization is key. Mm -hmm. um, we already kind of said it, but if you don't have the expertise, yeah. uh, maybe it's time to invest in training and in, and in enablement. Mm -hmm. um, and those vendors that you're working with, those CSMs would love to get you training and not have that attrition. So, you know, that's a good time to get deals on university courses or, or what have you. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. um, and the last reason I feel like is my favorite reason. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's what I used before, right? Yeah. Oh, the worst. How many the times worst. has that? I feel like that's actually the thing that always happens. And weirdly, it's funny enough. It, I feel like it's a lot of CMOs come in and they're like, this is what my team used before. And it's like, it's not even what you, what you used before. <laughs> exactly. You know? And it's like, that's even worse because it's not even lean, you know, leaning into the, the strengths of whoever's probably going to end up using it. Um, and yeah, I, I've seen this so many times like, oh yeah, we need to switch to whatever. Cause Mark, you know, Marketo or HubSpot or Pardot because I'm an expert in XYZ, which for so many reasons, it's the wrong thing to do. But even just thinking about the average tenure of like a mops person can be pretty short. Yeah. Yes, maybe it would choosing the tool that they're most comfortable with might keep them there longer. Who knows? But it's not a guarantee. And then what happens then? You made a decision right. for off of personal preference. And it wasn't actually the preference of like what's right for the business. And we see this so many times. <laughs> yep. Yep. Absolutely. Um, and then it, it just causes so much of a disruption for everybody. Yeah. Um, so, you know, making sure once again, going back to what are the true business requirements? Um, totally. And if the number one requirement is because I used it last time, dig in further and figure out like, <laughs> what are the benefits? Maybe there's a great reason to use it, but really try and bring it back to what's the business benefiting from in that move. Yeah. I will throw out a, a very like adjacent reason, which is like, oh, we have a partnership with that company now. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, we see that a lot too. And that I, I get that if it was like a very, very large tight knit partnership and you want to prove out maybe you're a MarTech vendor, you want to prove that out too. But like, it's just not the right reason. And sometimes those partnerships fall through or I have actually seen that with the client. Um, yeah. <laughs> And so, uh, definitely not, not the right reason, no. <laughs> at least not the starting reason. <laughs> okay. So you have your requirements. Now you, maybe you have your tools selected. 
but how should you plan? Like what should be part of your planning process for the migration? What are all the things you need to make sure are in order? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, first things first, you got to build your team. Um, it's not yeah. just a MOPS project replacing a marketing automation platform. Um, there's yeah. impacts all across your revenue team. Um, there's multiple people within your marketing team that you're going to want to have. Uh, again, understanding is this a decentralized or a centralized model? You're going to want to have power users that are in the systems. Um, there's impacts on the sales side because you're also bringing in probably new processes when you go and, and implement a new platform. Um, mm -hmm. So you're going to want to have sales operations, customer success, the demand gen team, the SDR team, you know, all of those teams kind of having some represent some representation, um, mm -hmm. especially when it's going to immediately impact them. Yeah. And this isn't like bring them in last minute, right? Like, <laughs> right. I told you once, no, bring them in at the start, get them in at the kickoff, get their ideas heard. Um, you know, a lot of these tools, they have integrations within the CRMs. Um, so as a result, like sales is going to actually see data coming from yeah. these platforms. So they need to know how to use it. They need to have input if there's customization. Um, and it just builds that like overall uh, embrace, like the organization will embrace the change when they're involved in the change. Totally, totally. And I think play it up like, it, it's not a small thing, right? Like you said, like you need, you need to get everyone to like embrace the change, but also get them excited about the things that will be the benefits for them. Um, you know, maybe the way that they're going to see data now or insights on, on their, on their leads, why you're going to be able to have like more robust, um, lead prioritization or process and how it's going to, um, you know, make them more effective in who we're sending over as MQLs and, um, like paint the story, I think for the end state of what you think is going to happen, especially when it comes to like a sales team, um, and then the marketing, the rest of the marketing team and, yeah. um, you know, get everyone excited. Cause I, I think adoption will be key and you don't want, yes. the last thing you want is to roll out and people be like, Oh, I missed the last tool or, Oh, <laughs> I don't like, did we really need this, you know, or something like that. So, yeah. um, and I think, think about the teams that you might not think about to get involved. Like, I think a lot of the time people forget, I like it needs to be involved with mm -hmm. migration. Uh, they need to help you set up like your email protocols. Um, there's probably also some, uh, like single sign on implications and things like that, that you might have. And, um, the networking team, because uh, uh, yeah. what I've also noticed is like a lot of times the IT team doesn't necessarily have oh, yeah. access to do things like DNS and totally. DKIM and whatever. So like just even thinking up further than the IT team, um, yeah. if you're like a software company, it might be the networking team that's more closely aligned to like cloud ops. Sure. Th yeah, that's true. Every team kind of like has it kind of structured, but different. We've even had cases where clients um, have that managed um, not in-house. Like the person yeah. that manages their DNS, like doesn't even work for the company. Um, and it's more of a man, a, like externally managed DNS. So, um, do the research too, because that we've seen that even kind of like slow things down a bit because there's like back and forth. They're trying to figure out who, who owns this, <laughs> who actually <laughs> does this. Yes. Um, and, uh, yeah. And there's, um, 
and web, I think also website the, impacts website like, yeah like that's Webtoon. another one that's kind of like a hidden you're updating all of your forms you've got a totally. new you've got a new like code javascript that you're gonna have mm -hmm. to have all of that stuff yeah and that could be an external resource too so yeah um it might be a little bit harder um and then building a timeline out for them too i think is yeah. really good because then they can build into their roadmaps because the last thing you want is like your sales ops team to be like oh sorry you're not going to make it into like the sprint uh this is too late and then it just delays your project um and you're exactly <laughs> it's something to consider if if your organization has like a project management office like bringing in uh a project manager for something like this mm. is key because there's so many dependencies. There's so many people that, that might be involved. Um, yeah. It can go a long way. Oh yeah. That's a good idea. All right. Wh what's next? Um, so, so another thing that you're going to want to do is audit and export all of your existing data. When you're moving into a new platform or even a new instance in the platform, you lose a lot of the history that you had previously. Mm -hmm. um, so you're going to want to ensure that, you know, all of the all of the key fields that you need, all of the all of the reporting fields that you need. Uh, are being captured somewhere. So that way, when it comes into the new system, maybe it pulls down from a C from the CRM. That would mm -hmm. be great. But sometimes you are actually loading things in and getting your data clean in a new way. Totally. Um, a big so, one for that, I feel like is, um, you know, e just email, uh, preferences, right. Unsubscribes yes. and things like that. Like some Ooh. very simple tools, like you probably weren't even getting that data in a CRM and it's only living within that tools. And the last thing you want to do is migrate all those records over and then start emailing them. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but it's also a good time because um, you're saying, you know, uh, looking at like auditing and um, but I, I think it's when it comes to data, that data loss, but also what can we just purge? You know, yeah. like, can you don't you need everything, <laughs> right? This might be a time to just like use it as a cleaning activity. Okay. What, what fields do we want to migrate over? Which not. Um, also maybe run like a quick project against never bounce to see like what contacts are just like not valid anymore. Um, and decide to just leave those behind, um, and then remove them from your, um, CRM as well at the same time, if you want to. So, um, which is better, uh, <laughs> yeah. um, and yeah, there's a great time to also just get rid of, of things if you can, if, while you're there. Absolutely. Um, and then the the maybe the last thing to to call out here is have a plan for your all of your assets. So I mentioned mm. like you're going to get new forms, you're going to get new emails, new landing pages. Um, you know, making sure that you have a plan for that. Every every organization does it differently, so you may take this as an opportunity to update your templates and your mm -hmm. branding. Uh, maybe you're going to get a new design that you can work with. Um, this is a good time to kind of refresh. Yeah. Okay. And we talked about team, but what about like external help? Obviously CS2, we help our clients. <laughs> we but, help, we help. Um, what, what about like thinking about resources like that? If you feel like it's going to be too much for, to like plan and execute yourself. Yeah. I mean, you may be listening right now thinking, okay, well, I have 50 webinars that I have to launch this quarter and 17 <laughs> events that I have to do and all of the support, right? Um, so bringing in an outside partner, like there's partners that will just do implementations 
and they will come in and say, here's, here's a best practice, which is always a risk, but you know, here's a good practice. I'll say, here's a good way that we can set it up and customize it to your business. Um, having that outside expertise can go a long way. Um, it's not free labor. Like at the end of the day, I always feel like as uh, when I was internal, because uh, I was an internal mops manager as well, um, I, I felt like I did a lot of work just like managing that relationship, expectations, keeping things mm -hmm. on track. Um, but if you have a great partner, you know, they're doing a lot of that lift for you and just keeping you along for the ride and getting decisions made uh, so that you can focus where you need to. Right. They could be like that project manager, the expertise, the execution, and, and they've probably done it loads of times. So right. they know the gotchas already. They know exactly. what to, and they can get it done a lot faster while you, so it doesn't have so much of an impact on your business, which I think exactly. is super important. Yep. Okay. Executing the migration. What are some of the things to really think about and focus on when now you have it, you're going to switch platforms. How do you go yes. about switching over really think through your operational foundation right yeah. this is this is a great time lead life cycle get it built the right way um lead scoring get that built the right way subscription center get that built the right way have all of your operations just working in a really seamless way because that's 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 where you're going to see a really big benefit uh, mm -hmm. in MOPS is that now you have a much more efficient system and the data is doing what it needs to do. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I say always prioritize that work. And that might mean, once again, relooking at business requirements and business process, mm -hmm. and maybe some things change as a result. Um, but you have to make sure that you are, you know, focusing there and, uh, and making sure that that works well. Yeah. And if you already had a great setup in your last system, <laughs> you know, looking at how are you going to migrate that same thing over? Cause I think it, it without like data impacts, right? Cause I think right. one thing would be really tricky. It's like, Oh, why are we not able to report on our life cycle the same way again? Uh, why do we have this like weird blip in data and things like that? So try and think about a way where you can like have the most minimal impact on kind of like your current setup if it's already great. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I would also just plan for more time than you think that you need. You're going to run yes. into hiccups. You're going to run into things that come up that you weren't anticipating. Um, especially if you have, you know, outside stakeholders, outside teams, um, mm -hmm. all of these things are, are working together. Um, so that's where that timeline comes in handy. Mm-hmm. And then uh, one of the recommendations that I would have is leverage the leverage the tool the way that it was designed to be used. Um, yeah. You kind of mentioned earlier, like you you, you want to find a tool that has some flexibility, but start with how mm -hmm. does this tool do lifecycle? Mm -hmm. Can we do it the way that they've designed it to be built? Because we mm -hmm. know that future improvements are going to be built upon that. Mm -hmm. um, things like things like scoring or channels or any of those pieces like figure out what is the what is the standard approach and then mm -hmm. modify as needed instead of just going this is how i did it in my last platform so let's try and figure out how to make it work here totally yeah that's a good point i think you can get caught up in in doing that and then um like really thinking I think doing the research to think about the best practices. We were even having a call with a client yesterday who's talking about how like that was kind of the thing that was a bit weird and 
uh, when she went into an organization, then she found out, oh, all the ways that we're using this tool isn't what's like best practice. And, (laughs) (laughs) um, and it could be one of those reasons, right? Maybe they're trying, they, the, whoever was executing on it was thinking about it in a different way or thinking about in the confines of like another tool. Um, so, uh, it definitely plays a role. So th- think about like what, what actually is like best practice to set things up within the tool. Probably yeah. less likely to find those like weird, deep, dark holes that something weird happens, you know, too. <laughs> so. Exactly. Um, if you can have an overlap between your contracts within, within these mm, systems, that yes. can also be super helpful because yeah. then you can kind of do a phased approach, right? Maybe it's mm-hmm. get the data in, get the historical data, and now the tool is doing the operations for you. And then you make sure that that works, but you're still sending emails elsewhere totally. while you're warming the IP with this new instance. hundred um, percent. You know, all of that stuff can be key. If you are trying, if you are trying to deploy against a renewal date that you don't want to renew, you're just introducing a lot of stress that is unnecessary. If you can just, you know, have three months of overlap. Right. And don't be afraid to ask for that with your new vendor. Like, Hey, can we start using the tool three months early and then, and then start paying after those three months. So then you don't have to, have finance asking you, why are you paying for two tools at one time? But then you still have that flexibility to have those like that overlap. Um, and they're usually they're, they're likely they're going to let you do it. So. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Cause they're, cause they're hoping that they just found a partner for the next three to five years or right. longer. Right. All right. Last yeah. thing. What's the, what's the major thing around executing migration? I feel like the last one I feel like is really key. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, uh, we mentioned it earlier, but enabling your team, Mm -hmm. getting training, if you have power users, invest in training with that platform, Uh, you know, doing enablement that is targeted for each of the teams, there should be a sales enablement, there should be a marketing enablement, there should be a reporting enablement session, Mm -hmm. like all of those pieces. um, So that way you're getting very specific training to the specific teams. Mm-hmm. Um, and once again, it's just another way of of building um, excitement around the tool, as opposed to confusion, which then just leads into frustration and anger. Totally. I will add in one bonus thing. Um, try and it comes down to like reporting as well. But like, try and build out some like monitoring reports, like really make sure you have a very thorough and long monitoring phase. <laughs> yeah. And so this can be, you know, making sure leads are getting synced over to your CRM properly. Um, people's life cycle stages are actually being set in R and MD. Um, you know, your subscription settings like don't look weird now. Um, <laughs> people are getting it, added to campaigns. People effectively. are getting added to campaigns. Right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So if you know that you've just put in all these new processes, build out a monitoring report and then you know subscribe to that or look at it. You know, have your team look at it um, in the morning every day, and it'll it'll just help you figure out where you need to iterate instead of finding all these issues or someone else finding the issue, which is even yeah. worse. <laughs> yeah, that's what you never want to have is uh, is being alerted to something from the head of sales or from the head of marketing. Not fun. Yeah. <laughs> oh wait, we only have a few minutes left. I want. I always ask folks, and you can do yours very quickly, Xander. But what do you think is one thing that folks do wrong? when they're thinking about switching to maps or what is like one thing that you see is like just a major no, no or problem. 
I mean, I kind of said it a lot, but just not not knowing why I'm moving to a marketing automation platform of a specific of a specific type, right? Yeah. And just thinking, if I get a new marketing automation platform, everything will be better. Um, totally. You have to you have to analyze why are we in this bad place? Otherwise, six months later, you're going to be in that bad place again, looking mm -hmm. for a new vendor instead of looking internally. It's people, process, then technology, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. uh, look at those first two. Figure out: Can I do some training? Can we do some process improvement? And then can I fix what's in the system or is it truly a misaligned tool for our business? Totally. And is it, if your problem, your system actually a problem with uh, like people, like you said, like the training yeah. part or just moving too fast or something like that. So exactly. Um, awesome. Well, I thought, love this episode. Great topic. Um, always great to have you on. Xander. Uh, for those of you who enjoyed this podcast, this episode, feel free to share with a colleague or friend or leave us a like or review. And we'll see you next time for thinking. Thanks, Xander. Thank you. Thank you.